Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week, we bring you a woman who can share important resources and insights to help you, inspire you to become the leading woman in your own life. You know, I've been interviewing these amazing leading women for over 10 years, and it's one of my favorite things to do. I love hearing their stories so much, I chose 19 of the best experts to co-author my book, Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Now, if you haven't bought yours, or if you want to help a woman become a leader she was meant to be, you can get it at your local bookstore, how about Barnes & Noble, and of course, Amazon. Today, my amazing guest is Tess Cacciatore. Tess is an award-winning producer, videographer, journalist, keynote speaker, storyteller, and social entrepreneur. Tess has dedicated her life to advocating for, for initiatives that will end homelessness, domestic violence, sex trafficking, and to offer a safe place for voices to be heard around the globe. In 2012, Tess founded GWEN, the Global Women's Empowerment Network, which utilizes the power of media and technology to enable people to share their stories and transform their lives. Tess shared her own story through her recent book, Homeless to the White House, which was an immediate bestseller. So I'm more than pleased to welcome Tess Cacciatore to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Welcome, Tess. So glad you're with me. Well, good morning, Tess. So good to hear from you. Yeah, we just chatted a little bit before I started the recording. You've got some amazing things going on, and uh, this book of yours. To I, I, I truly believe a book is a calling card. I, absolutely, it does open doors and really gives people a chance to really. When you talk about something, then there's something for them to read as well. So, congratulations. This 30 minutes is about you. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Nancy. I have watched your work and watched the, the way you move in the world, and I'm just so honored to be here with you to have this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Well, you're so welcome. As you know, Women Connect for Good is about women supporting and celebrating other women's mission and their passion and, and the way they're making the world, changing the world for good. And you're in that category. So welcome. Oh, thank you. The Women Connect for Good leading Yay! women. So congratulations. <laughs> I'm so passionate about that with, with the work. Oh, my gosh, women connecting and women doing good for one another, you know, because yeah. I think we can all have a story that – speaks otherwise, but I, yeah. like you, want to connect and really show that women can work together and make the world go round. Well, we've been down similar paths, but uh, let's talk about your path because that's what's important. You know, the thing that I have found, and you talk about the storytelling, you and I are on the same page when, it talk, when we talk about helping women find their voice, but also telling their story because I've I have found personally, my, for myself and for the women I've had conversation with for almost 10 years, that our stories always connect us, and they connect yes. us to the greater good as well. So tell us about your story. How did you get to be uh, the test I'm speaking with this morning, and then we'll talk more about the book and Gwen and everything else, but your story, your personal story about how you became the person that I'm speaking to right now is so very, very important. So tell us about you. So about me, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, and I start off with that because 
I love coming from Iowa. Not that there's anything wrong with any other place, but for me to go back to Iowa this past week and to just be back home, it's where my roots are. And I had to really look at and examine, and writing this book took me eight years. It wasn't just like a quick fix. It was a journey that I was healing in the meantime as writing, because I think writing is just a wonderful tool to be able to get out on paper or on computer, whatever you need to do. And so I think that through the adversarial times, the hard times, as difficult as they are going through them, I think all of us can relate to that, you get through to the other side. You go, wow, I made it through that. You know, in some of the instances yeah. that you will read in the book, you know, there's times where I'm very lucky that I made it out alive. So I've just been through, you know, a journey like we all have. I've experienced being homeless. I've experienced domestic violence. I've watched up close and personal how addiction can, can affect one's life. I've been overseas to developing countries where I see the faces of people and children after a devastation like the tsunami in Sri Lanka, how they just still smiled. And the gentle humanity that I think we all need to embrace right now while we're going through these seemingly chaotic times. And that's, that's about me. I just, you know, providing this raw and vulnerable place to tell this very raw and vulnerable story and begin the next chapter. Yeah. Well, you know, you, in the introduction, people will hear, of course, that you are a film producer, you are an author, you're a speaker, you, you're an international connector. I mean, the, the organizations that you've worked with, you, the United Nations, I mean, the different organizations, it's really about, you know, we are a global world. We are all connected. And I think, I think sometimes we forget that. But when we do travel to different parts of the world, we find that we always have, always have something in common, especially women. When they do find their voice and connect, there's just not, there, anything is possible, absolutely anything. You know, I so. love that. And I just think about these beautiful, smiling women from Saudi Arabia that just got permission to drive. Oh, my gosh, it gives me chills <laughs> to think about it. Yeah. The, the connection to, the, to watching their joy to finally have this privilege that we take advantage of. You know, we turn 14, we get a permit. We turn 16, we get a license to drive. Yeah. And yeah. that's such a freedom that other people around the world don't get. Yeah. Well, and that's where, where we come into the picture. I mean, women in the United States have their own challenges as far as women's leadership yes. finding their voice, too. Let's, let's yes. not forget that this country, and I think what the important thing that I try to remember is that I believe if we make the United States stronger and have women's leadership and women find their voice, that we can also go out into other countries and, and help those women as well. So I'm all about that. But I'm also about... Well, you and I can do that together. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have traveled to Africa several times, and I've, I've watched the smiles. You know, and I think that's the, the wonderful thing that I have found. I've been to international programs also with women, but I've found that women in other countries have something that I wish more of us had, which is they have that sisterhood. And I've watched, yeah. I was in India and I was at a conference and I watched, it was, there were 126 countries represented and I was very, very blessed to be there. I was one of the speakers and Women's Economic Forum in New Delhi. And I mean, I watched something occur that I just was hungry for, which is you could cross a room and 
six or seven women would introduce themselves and they would say, how can I help you? How can I work with you? And if I could have bottled that feeling I had and the way things were happening in India and brought it back to the United States, I would, I think we would, I would have been so, so very excited. If anything, it made me even more passionate about what I'm doing and, and why I'm so about connecting women such as yourself with other women to do just that. I've heard wonderful things about the Women in Economic Forum. I've been, I've been invited to go for the last couple of years, so maybe next year I'll be there with you. Yeah. <laughs> That would be wonderful. They have those all over, the, all over the world. But the connection, and these are women that are doing things politically and business-wise in their own countries that are truly, truly impressive. I mean, I think the network and the sisterhood, the sisters of courage that are popping up all over the world could definitely... <laughs> If we, take, if we take back the reins, it's amazing what could happen. But, but we're not going to go there. We're going to talk about your book. And, okay, you, you, talked about this, we talk, you talked about this eight-year journey. And it, in some ways, it's really truly a journal. It's a journal of your own, uh, own experiences. And, of course, it's kind of like what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. You know, your, your world began as a film producer. You were doing documentaries, and you were in filming up close and personal some of the most important times, but yet some of the very tragic times in, in our history. So tell us a little bit about that as a filmmaker, because again, you know, you know I'm, I'm involved with Take the Lead, which is the 50 women in media and entertainment, to, to change the, what, what we see, to, to change what we read, what we see, what we hear about women and, and gender equality and, and really giving positive images to boys, girls, women, and men about how important it is for us all be connected. Absolutely. It has to go on all sides and all ages and all races. I totally agree. I always have a quote that I say, we, we do Gwen with the men. Because it's, and just because Global Women's Empowerment Network says women in it, we really have to do it together. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm really passionate about the, the whole storytelling thing. The documentarian side has been really interesting to me because I've been on such a, a ride that I have over 200 hours of footage in my office getting ready to be put into a documentary that goes in tandem with the book. And yeah. there's a, a lot of things that I've experienced that that have the, these flashcards are going on through my mind, so I can't really pinpoint one particular thing. But a couple of things that I think were really poignant for me was the World Conference Against Racism in 2001. And that was really watching the world leaders. I've been at the United Nations the year before, and for several years I've gone to the Commission for the Human Rights and the Subcommission for Human Rights that happens on an annual basis out of Geneva. And I've done a lot of work in New York at the United Nations uh, the Commission on the Status of Women for the last 10 years, etc. But one of the, I think, the most important stories I could probably share was in 2001. It was my first time being media accredited with the United Nations. I was in Durban, South Africa, and it was a really interesting time because it wasn't in the confines of the UN buildings. It was out in the open and there was protests in the streets and there was a youth symposium. And I'm always very attracted to find where the youth are and get in line with them. And there was this young woman by the name of Melody Botia that I'm still connected with today. And she, I call her my first daughter of Africa. And she had this beautiful voice and wanted to, to learn how to interview on camera. And so we just spent days and days together to go and interview 
the young people from Israel, Israel and Palestine. It's decades and decades of intricate tension, to say the least. And to see these young people and hear their story of how they just wanted to be friends, they just wanted to get along, they just wanted to work together. And I still have that footage archived in, in the boxes in the other room here. It was just an eye-opener for me. And just to see all the people that came together for the protest to pray for peace and to have this racial equality. I think even reflecting back in what's going on in our own country, it just doesn't seem like you can turn on the TV or go on the Internet without having some kind of racial inequality. Right. And that, to me, it burns the very core of who I am because I don't understand that there could be a different shade of skin and make it be something of a judgmental situation. I'm very, very passionate about that. I don't understand it. It, it perplexes me. And so that's one of my passions that I want to do is how do we get past that tension of races and know that we're all beautiful on the inside and that there's positive things that we can do together and learn from one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, diversity is, is key and inclusion. I had the wonderful opportunity to, uh, I don't know if you know Dr. Sheila Robinson. She is the CEO and founder of Diversity Magazine. And Sheila puts on the most amazing conference every year and the first year I was, I was on a panel, so I was asked to speak. And uh, I learned this term, inclusion. And this word was spoken over and over again, inclusion. <laughs> and I walked away, and like you, I, I, I was the same way. I was one of the few whiter faces, but we've all got to get colorblind. I mean, we all yes. have to become colorblind, and, and we have to re- remember that What's inside is more important. And what was it? Shirley Chisholm said this, and actually it's in the book that, that we have coming out in December, but she said, it, she said, you know, the most difficult time I had was not being black. It was being a woman. Mm. And, and I think this is something that we have to understand is that, you know, when we look at the equation and, and we look at what, the, what we want the outcome to be, we have to understand it's being a woman that we really are challenged with in this this world and what we as women can do something about. And, of course, find our male allies and our male advocates to do just that. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah last yeah. week I went to a meeting at Principal, which is obviously a very big company, a very big corporation, and my meeting happened to be with Heather Schott at Ann Fultz, and Heather runs the Department of Diversity and Inclusion in that corporation, that they're really stepping up. So it gave me so much hope that if other companies, and probably they do, if we looked under the hood of other corporations, I'm sure by now uh, they probably have that sensitivity. So I think the, the veneer is cracking, and I'm really excited about that. There's a lot of positive things on the horizon. Well, it's all about the culture of every corporation. And, and of course, you know, we've got the, some of the best millennials that are coming out as far as educated yes. and smart. And they're working in companies that they find like-minded people and people like themselves. So diversity is key to recruiting the next generation or this generation of smart, amazing women who, who yeah. definitely have, have, are going to choose the corporations and the businesses that have the diversity, the inclusion, and find people like themselves to work with. So. I okay. love the young people's passion. Just to quickly add there, I'm finding that a lot of the young people that I'm working with or talking to, it, whether they're part of this category or not, and most of them are not, they're very passionate about LGBTQ 
um, yeah. to yeah. Uh, passion. Just uh, so exciting because it's that they are they are enveloping and living the inclusion. Yeah. So anyway, I just had to throw that in there that I'm I'm really well, thrilled with the. But with I can the young also people. throw that in there with take the lead. Some of the young women that are coming in who are still saying, yes. Why this woman at work so mean to me? So we yes. we have this other side which is just so hard to believe. In 2018, we have women's women in corporations when these younger women are coming in, and they're not mentoring them. They're treating them as adversaries. I was talking to this one woman. She came up to me after a speaking engagement. She said, "She said, you know, this this young woman follows me around. She's constantly asking me questions. She she just really. She says I think she wants my job. And I looked at her, and I stopped and said to her, I said, Do you think possibly by chance she wants to learn from you because she sees you with uh, as an experienced person that she could learn something from she kind of stopped and her mouth kind of dropped open and it wasn't until later i saw her at another uh, another venue and she said you know what you were absolutely right so oh, it's again the, the whole concept <clears throat> that women have as far as competition as far mm-hmm. as how we treat one another and it, it really is it really is a cultural change that we all need to go through. But you have spent years and years of finding these, these women who are so excited to, to use their voices, to be seen in your documentaries, to help the world to understand that it really is about inclusion. It really is about connection. So, Tess, tell me something. In the book that you've written, I know it's a journey of of many, many phases and healing also, but what do you, just three different points that make this book so valuable that you would want people to read? Great question. I haven't really put them down in that, that significant three bullet points, but off the top of my head, I believe that I would say that everyone has a story and every story has value that I want to encourage people that they have the courage to share their story, whether it be in a short form, a longer book, uh, part of a compilation, you know, anthology kind of compilations, which we're going to be doing under Gwen Books, or if it's a song or a poem or just journaling for yourself. I think the writing side of it and really understanding the, the point of telling your story, it's a very important process of healing. The second point I think would be, it would be the, the point of, forgiveness. And I think that would be really big in the sense of forgiving ourselves, first of all. Because in my journey, I think a lot of people are relating to this because they've been put themselves in dangerous situations or relationships that weren't healthy or whatever. Um, it's, we have this blueprint that gets put in us when we're younger. So how do we get through to understand what that blueprint is? What are the feelings that we have been told whether you're a troublemaker, you're stupid, you're fat, you're this, whatever those bullying types of comments are, how do we get to that place of forgiveness of ourselves and forgiveness of others? Mm -hmm. That's a really important journey. And then I think the third one would be most important, I guess, you know, because they're all important, but self-love. When we get to that place of self-love, there's, something that happens that you get to see the world in a different way. Obviously, you have that because you're able to have this conversation with me where we talk about mentorship and 
racial equality and inclusion. Once we have that self-love thing in place, we see the world with different eyes. We get to be empathic rather than feeling like it's something that's coming against us. I think that's one of the things that I really wanted to put out there is that I had to learn how to love myself. Even though I'd always loved myself, you know, little quotes. Now I truly love myself because I had to forgive all the passes that happened. Well, and just to stop, throw in some more things that uh, yes. we talk about the cultural bias and the way we view each other. I mean, basically, we have been taught through the media, it's been taught by the films that we do need to change is that one of the ways they market to women is by guilt and <laughs> guilt that we don't look the way the, what we see, mm-hmm. the pictures that we see in the magazines. And, and that, so women feel guilty, women feel depressed, Women feel less than, and this is what we have to stop. We have to stop this kind of marketing and to stop the things that women read, see, and hear that make them feel guilty for not being, not being able to even possibly compare to something that, that is not even realistic, that doesn't even really exist. So, Absolutely. Uh, and that's been coming back to, to the whole take the lead and, and women in media and how do we change those messages, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you're, you're a part of that. I mean, you're doing that. You're going to do that with Gwen. You're going to do that with this book. But again, yes. I think your three points are extremely valuable. And, and self-love and forgiveness is key. I, I definitely believe that. If women can feel strong and confident, anything's possible. And I think that's a point, though. Is the, the, what's the best way to keep a woman down? Make her feel guilty. Make her feel mm-hmm. bad about herself. Make her, make her feel less than and so if you and I get out there and change that and change the way women feel about themselves and how they feel about other women. Yes. <laughs> well, out. kudos to you. Look what, you, look what you did. You changed a whole uh, generation of, of people just by that one conversation you have with that woman. Well, maybe she's not after your job. Maybe she just wants to be mentored. Yeah. And mentorship is really important because we can learn a lot from the younger generations. I do on a daily basis. I I keep young women around me all the time because I learn from them and I want to mentor them. I want to protect them. I have a lot of women, young women in their 20s that I'm working with. And I'm like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, you're not going to let that person take advantage of you. That's what happened to me. Or that's a great idea. Let's work with that. It's really important. Well, we could talk probably forever, and I know we're going to talk (laughs) because I think we have many, many connections. But the book is called... Homeless to the White House. Tell us a little bit about that and then also about the Global Women Empowerment Network. Okay, so Homeless to the White House is a a pretty intriguing title, I've heard. And uh, I renamed the book a few times in that eight-year process, but I settled in with Homeless to the White House because it represented to me the uh, the arc of from the darkness to to the light, to the White House, and not necessarily the White House in Washington, D.C., even though I was there and it was one of the conclusions to the book. It was my journey of being able to be, and I think people can really relate to this too, how many times have we been led down a rabbit hole with a dangled carrot? And the book opens with me in Democratic Republic of Congo, and I'm filming undercover a documentary of a man who is running for president of Congo. And it opens up with me on the first day of shooting, and I'm doing some B-roll, and I'm filming the monument of the president who created the the freedom of Congo and I looked across the street and there was a soldier walking towards the car with a rifle pointed right at my head and I screamed and we drove away and we escaped and I didn't really realize 
until I sat down to write the book many years later, because this was back in 2011, I believe, that, oh my gosh, there was many situations within that trip to Congo, which I was in a very dangerous circumstances. But that situation where I trusted this person who kept dangling the carrot saying, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. And I'd worked for him for several months and he owed me quite a bit of money. And he sent me home with a hundred euro, which is equivalent to about $60. Yeah. So I came back and, um, and that's how the book opens, how I became homeless. And I think that understanding the face of homelessness, it could be anybody, it could be any of us. And there's varying degrees of the condition of homelessness. In my instance, I was actually very lucky because I housed that for people. I was family chef for one family. I was this, that, and the other. Um, but it really opened my eyes to the condition of being homeless. And I've become very passionate about that issue, even though I was always, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of situations. So the book and some of the proceeds are going to help in the homeless situation, uh, one in particular, Union Rescue Mission and the Wayfair Foundation here in Los Angeles that's right in the heart of Skid Row. It's the oh, wow. epicenter of homelessness in the country. Yeah. yeah, when I was back in Des Moines last week, I went to the Hope Ministries and we're going to be doing some work with the shelter for women and children that are homeless. So it became that, that journey, even though I've always been philanthropic, and I've done things throughout my life, you know, it just opened up to be really focused on the homeless issue that it's, it's right in our own backyard due to economics or addiction or conditions of who we are. So oh, yeah. that's the homeless part. The White House part, you know, I, it's a whole story about the, my passion for Eastern Congo and Colton and going to the Senate with Jewish World Watch and talking to the Senate and Congress people to change international law. And near the end of the book, I actually go with David Longoria and a troop of people for a beautiful song that David wrote called We Are One. And to me, that was just like, I thought that was the end of the book, standing on the lawn of the White House and singing We Are One with people from all different races and, and you know, from all over the country, especially the East Coast. There was a lot of people from New York and, and D.C. and Virginia and all that. It was just a really beautiful day. Uh, my, my story doesn't end quite at the White House. There's a different ending that came about, which has to do about women and which has to do about the kind of rebirth of Gwen. And yeah. to me, it was the birth of myself and the really inclusion in the bonding of me within Gwen. People often refer to me as Gwen. They'll slip and say, oh, this is Gwen. And I laugh and I say, yes, I, call me I Gwen. Was, I, was, I was there. <laughs> exactly. I was and there. I love it. You know, yeah. my given name is Teresa. It changed to Tess because people called me Tess and now they can call me Gwen. You can call me whatever you want. I don't care. Except not a mean name. That's not, that's not nice. We have to yeah. figure out how to be nice with one another. Yeah, yeah, but, um, but, but Gwen to me is... Um, Global Women's Empowerment Network is a 501c3, and it's about transforming lives. It's about supporting one another to share our stories. It's about working in tandem with organizations like yours and other people that are doing amazing work. It's really about the collaborative efforts. And I've always, since 1994, when I started a former foundation and I started World Trust Foundation, it was about how do us as organizations and charities work together to boost each other up rather than being in competition because the money factor and how do we get that thing going, you know, so yeah. that's a whole other conversation. And yeah. then Gwen Studios is a production company and we're getting ready to launch this summer a beautiful network that we'll be able to have on Apple TV, Roku, Samsung TV, and Amazon Fire. So we're going to have the ability to reach 250 million households to be able to 
push through the pipelines amazing, impactful content. It could be documentaries and features and short films and TV series and there's a whole music division. And, and that has been a dream of mine for, for decades. In 1995, I wrote the first business plan about this vision. It was called something else. So I feel like everything is coming together. And as we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation is that this book is a calling card. It's for people to understand that I went through a lot of stuff and I yeah. see all the adversities as blessings. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't homeless, then I wouldn't have never been able to, to open my eyes to that issue and really spread awareness about it. And there's so many different things that I've gone through that I really now see that, okay, I survived that, and I'm stronger for it, and I have empathy, and I have compassion, and I have a whole big heart that's ready to share with the world all the things that I've been working on for, for decades. Well, and to work with you with your beautiful programs and your horses. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, we've got to talk about the horses. That's a a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Let me just say this, Tess. The the ending of the book is not the ending of the book. It's just the beginning of the book. It's the beginning of the new chapter, yeah. And I I believe if people do read the book, they will see themselves in many, many pieces throughout the book. You know, I mean, I related to many pieces myself. And every every, every reader will find something in the book that they can relate to and they can possibly learn from and heal from and all the above. But um, congratulations. I only thank wish you, you the very, very best of everything. And, oh, uh, thank you. And, and uh, again, I think the important thing that you're also doing is, and you understand is that we as women also, you know, we, we are the problem solvers. We, we, know, we know, we see a problem and we also know what to do about it. We find resources to do something about that. And that's exactly what you've done with your book, with your, with your speaking and with your, oh, I, I'm so excited about your new film company. Your shows will be just open up so many doors and so many eyes and, and really bring so much to the world. So thank you. And inviting other content creators like you, you know, that to do this yeah. together and like your beautiful daughters, you, you know, you two are amazing. There's many things to do together. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. So where do they need to go to, for the book? Where, where can I get the book and more about you? Amazon. Just put Amazon. You can put Homeless to the White House right in there and it pops up. And that's the best way to get it right now. And then you can find me on social media, Tess Cacciatore. You can go to globalwomensempowermentnetwork.org. And uh, soon we'll be announcing our, you know, where to go and when to go. We're still waiting on the lights to switch on from Atlanta, which is our XOD partnership, and that's where all the TV programs are going. So I'd love to find people that have finished content that might want some distribution. We can now be able to help them get to all those millions of people to really uplift and change and transform the world. Fantastic. Look at the website, and it's 1234. It's Homeless to the White House, Women in Illuminated Film Festival, Reveal to Heal. I believe in her. So go to the website, check out the book, check out your other programs, and congratulations. Oh, it's been wonderful. We will be chatting. Thank you so much.